Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. All right, I got an awesome episode for you today. I got some awesome guests on the episode. We have Mark Zweig and Chad Kleinens from Zweig Group. This is a very powerful episode if you want to grow as a civil engineer or you want your company to grow. These guys are awesome. It's special for me because as a young civil engineer, up-and-coming civil engineer, I read Mark Zweig's newsletter on a regular basis. It was handed out in our firm, and I mentioned that to Mark in this interview you're about to hear. It was really helpful for me and my success. I'm going to give you a little bit of a formal introduction of both of these gentlemen so you can understand their backgrounds and then dive into a conversation with them where we talk about what it takes to be the best firms in the industry. Based around their, they do a hot firm conference where they recognize the hottest firms in the industry, the fastest growing firms, and also the best firms to work for. There's some dynamite advice from these gentlemen in this episode. But before we get into our civil engineering conversation with these gentlemen, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. I have some exciting news. PPI, our exclusive exam prep podcast sponsor, is giving away $100 Amazon gift cards every month to my listeners. For more information on how to qualify, make sure you listen to my announcement later on in this episode. Now I'd like to introduce our guests for the episode, just so you get to know a little bit about them before we dive into the conversation. Chad Kleinens, PE, is the president and CEO of Zwei Group, the leading research, publishing, and consulting firm for architecture and engineering industry. Chad's passionate about the business side of design and technical service firms, which is obvious in this interview. He's built a career on leading these firms through growth and change. Chad holds a master's degree in business administration, as well as a bachelor of science in civil engineering from the University of Arkansas. He's a registered professional engineer in Arkansas. And Mark C. Zweig, Mark is best known as the leading expert in management for the architecture, engineering, planning, and environmental industry. With more than 30 years as a student of the industry, Mark knows architecture, engineering, and environmental consulting firms inside and out. He started his career in a management consulting firm that specialized in the construction and development industries and then worked as a principal and manager in two AE and environmental firms. He founded Mark Zweig and Associates in 1988, which later became Zweig White in 1991 and is now known as Zweig Group. Mark received both his MBA and BS in organizational behavior from Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, Illinois. He was named to the SIUC College of Business Hall of Fame in 1992, elected to the College of Business Board of Advisors in 1999, and named chairman of the advisory board in 2002. And you're in for a real treat with these gentlemen. Let's jump into today's civil engineering conversation. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week, and I'm excited here to have with me today Chad Kleinens and Mark Zweig of Zweig Group. Gentlemen, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. It is. 
All right, so I'm excited about this episode. I worked as a civil engineer for an AE firm for a long time, and I mentioned to Mark before that I was getting his newsletter across my desk on a regular basis, and it was very helpful for me, both inspirational as well as strategic, helping me build some skills and keep up to date in the industry. So Mark, I want to thank you for that. Hey, my pleasure, man. We have a really good opportunity with these two gentlemen here today because Zwei Group has done a lot of work with AE firms over the years. But one of the things that we're going to talk a lot about today is they have what's called the Hot Firm Conference. This is a conference that they've been doing for 17 years that highlights some of the fastest growing, most successful firms in the AE industry. So when you've been able to see successful firms for that long, you definitely pick up on the patterns and things that they've been doing. So we're really going to dive into that today with Mark and Chad so that whether you're an up-and-coming engineer or an executive in the AE field, you're going to hopefully take some value out of this. And we're certainly going to talk about their hot firm event as well briefly because I'm thrilled that I'm going to be speaking there. It's an opportunity for up-and-coming engineers and executives to get together in a pretty powerful way. Chad, why don't you maybe start off a bit by you initially reached out to me and we got down the path of the the conference. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the conference and what excited you about talking to me about this new angle on it? So the conference started 17 years ago and it's modeled after the Inc. 500 conference, which celebrates the 500 fastest growing privately held companies in the U.S. It's a of all industries, but it's very prestigious and it has a huge following. And so we created this for this industry, the Hot Firm Conference. And in the last four years, we expanded the focus to outside of just the top 100 fastest growing firms, but to also include the best firms to work for. And those are the firms that are providing great workplaces and cultures for their people, marketing excellence and courageous leadership. So four different awards programs that we all run just for the architecture engineering consulting industry. The majority of our clients, probably there's slightly over 50% are engineering, and then we have architects and environmental consultants and, and related, but we are focused on this niche industry. And the conference has grown, and part of the reason we expanded it and added the other awards programs in together is just to recognize that success is growth, success is providing a great place to work, success comes from great marketing courageous leadership, and all of those things are really intertwined. And so by doing that, the conference has grown in attendance. It's historically been heavy in the C-suite. So you've got the top leaders of these most successful firms attending this conference. And then in the last year, we decided that we really wanted to focus more on younger professionals and push our message down in the org chart. And I think, Anthony, it's just the way you started out by saying, you were a reader of the Zweig letter and the impact it had on you. We want that for younger professionals and push that down into the org chart. Because again, Zweig letter has historically appealed to the C-suite, but it really, the implications of all of the teachings in that newsletter are for people of all levels in the organization. Those who want to move ahead. Absolutely. You know, those who are interested in, in not being stuck in the quote, technical track. Absolutely. And I give kudos to the firm that I used to work for, Mazer Consulting, for distributing the Zweig letter to the younger professionals in the firm. I think it was great. I think it definitely helped the firm to grow 
the way they did because you're right, Chad, getting in that mindset, I think the earlier you can get into that mindset, which is the whole reason that I like to do coaching for younger engineers is I want to get them in that mindset early because the odds of them being more successful, being able to do more business development and some of the things that AE professionals can't traditionally do, it just the earlier you do it, the better. So Mark, let's step back a little bit. The conference has been going on for 17 years, and I know from running a conference myself that it's certainly a big decision. So 17 years ago, what made you say, I want to do a conference like this? Well, it really was uh, the idea, as Chad mentioned, came from the Inc. conference. We were twice on the Inc. 500 list ourselves in the mid to late 90s, and we saw what a great event that was. Of course, have been to many, many ACEC, ASCE, NSPE, AIA events. And not to say those aren't great events in some cases, the energy level is completely different from the Inc. Conference. And we just thought, what if we did this for this industry that we're all a part of? Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be fun? In fact, we had some of the original Inc. people involved. George Gendron was one of the editors of Inc. Magazine. He was one of our early speakers and worked on the conference and several other people, Bo Burling, Game, and others. So anyway, it seemed like a good idea. And, um, you know, we like to have a good time. We're, we get serious about this business, but we also want to have some fun. And we like hanging out with people who are energized and have ideas and who inspire us. So we kind of had a selfish reason to do it. You know, just from that standpoint. That's great. And I think you're right in that there's a lot of different conferences out there and they all have different purposes, technical, developmental, whatever they may be. But I think this idea of getting modeling after the Inc. 500 and getting these executives together that have had a lot of success is it's kind of like that idea of a mastermind, bringing all these successful people that are successful in different ways together. And it's like I always tell people, it doesn't always mean when you have like one plus one equals two, right? It could be like if you have 10 people there that have been successful, you're going to get, when you put their knowledge together, it's going to be a hundred times over and you can just take so much out of it, which is why I'm a big proponent of conferences. So let's talk about that a little bit. It's also interesting the connection some of those people make. And we've seen some things come out of that where they meet at the conference. And, you know, when you have two people that you really like and you really respect, and then you get them together and introduce them to each other. It's really cool. And then they end up working together. Absolutely. I mean, I think that networking for me is the biggest reason that I actually go to events. And I know a lot of people, sometimes when they're thinking about an event and they're weighing like the costs, whether it's the cost of the ticket and the cost of their time away from the office, whatever it might be, I think oftentimes they look at the schedule, like just the sessions. And what I tell people is, listen, the sessions is like half of where you can learn the networking, the connections that you make or everything. Because you can make one connection at a conference that can have a tremendous impact on your career, on your company. And that's why I think getting people together is valuable. And as much as I love doing things online, every so often, I think you got to get out there in your industry. You got to network with people. And this conference, I think, offers now engineers of even up and coming engineers, the ability to network with some of the most successful people in the field. So Along those lines, you obviously get to look at all kinds of firms. You've been doing this for a long time now. And specifically with the event, you're awarding some of the quote-unquote hot firms. 
I'd like to talk to you about some of the patterns, some of the things that you've seen these companies do. I know because you've seen so many now. Can you share with us what constitutes a hot firm from what you've seen? There are several things. I think that the typical hot firm, and we do a lot of research, okay, that the way you win the award is you fill out some questions and there's data there, but we also have 23 plus surveys that we run on the industry and we bring those all that data together. And what we see is that typically the firms that are growing the fastest, they're long-term focused. They have a strategic plan. They're thinking about their business. They're talking about their business a lot. And instead of just staying buried in project work, they're thinking big picture. They're investing in marketing, particularly along with IT and HR. And interestingly, those three areas, the, the average firm doesn't like investing in those areas because they view them as overhead. They don't see them as a strategic business function. And that's another thing that firms are focused on. And you know, nowadays, I think that, especially with as tight and as hot as the market is, it's a real intense focus on recruiting and retention and creating a great place to work, making sure you're keeping your best people happy and inspired, getting rid of people that are underperformers. You got to do that too. You got to get them off of the team. And so these successful firms kind of view their businesses like a sports team. And they're making sure that they're keeping the best people on the team inspired and motivated and moving people or processes or procedures out that are demotivational or interfering with success. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're, they work hard to reduce the amount of bureaucracy that a firms seem like they want to institute in response to every single problem or issue they have. They work hard on the climate of the office to keep it fun and exciting in the vein that you're talking about, Chad, of keeping good people. I think the other thing, too, when you start looking at their strategies, it's like everybody else is looking in the rearview mirror at the other guy and what they're doing. I can't tell you, as consultants, yes. we hear so many times in response to anything that we would suggest to a client, okay, but how many other 112-person civil and structural engineering firms that do commercial and healthcare based in Kansas have done this? And it's like uh, irrelevant. I mean, they're not looking at everybody else and trying to model themselves after mediocrity. But that seems to be where the preponderance of companies in this business are. And so that's how you break away. I think the other thing, if you really look at the hot firms, they get paid better. They have higher pricing than everybody else. That covers up a lot of inefficiency. It lets you hire better people. It lets you spend more money on marketing. It lets you buy other companies. It just gives you a whole different kind of business than the companies that are stuck in sort of the traditional pricing models the rest of the industry is stuck in. And so you see that whether they can take their whole business to that is questionable, but at least part of it is operating in a different pricing mode from the bulk of the companies. That's right. That is all really interesting to me. I mean, I think a couple of things jump out there. For me, one being what you said, Chad, and that they like to invest in these areas that most firms don't invest in, like marketing and IT. And if you make an analogy, that's when I work with individuals in the civil engineering realm or AE industry, 
it's the same thing. I try to tell them that you need to focus on other aspects besides the technical aspects of your own personal development, because when you're well-rounded, you succeed in this industry from what I've seen. So there's definitely an analogy there, which is interesting. And I do agree with you both from talking to these firms that marketing seems to be the last thing that anybody wants to spend money on. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but that's something that I think is definitely would, to me, I would understand if a hot firm spends more money there. Also the recruiting, another one that you touched on there, Chad, which I think is huge. I mean, turnover is probably the worst nightmare of these CEOs. They hire someone, they train them, a lot goes into training in this industry, and then all of a sudden they're off and working for someone else. So I can see how important retention is, and I can see why firms that can retain and reduce that turnover would be considered hot firms. I mean, it's a tough thing to do. It's not easy, and there's things that have to be done. And I'll mention one of the firms here, just because I know Will Schneer of Big Red Dog Engineering Consulting wouldn't mind me mentioning him. He's been on the podcast a few times, and I know he's going to be at the hot firm conference. I met Will because one of his employees was in our online group, the Engineering Mastermind Community. And he was doing really well. And he started telling me about his firm and how it sounded really different, kind of like Mark was referring to, than like a typical engineering consulting firm as far as some of the rules, the guidelines. It was, seemed to be a little bit more relaxed, yet the company had grown like insanely, like off the charts. I got talking with them a little bit more and I got the opportunity to interview Will. He's been on the podcast twice. And I finally got to go to their office and just take a look at it. And I think to what you said, Mark, what I see there is different from other people right in that area. And I don't think that they were saying, well, we need to have an office like everybody else here. They totally did things different. Like they just sent out a video in one of their newsletters about like, bring your dog to work day type of thing. And they do some things like that. And I can see in their staff, they just look a lot less stressed and they're working just as hard as everyone else, all these other firms, but they seem to be doing it in a way where there's a little bit less stress and people are having more fun in the office. And I think that that speaks a lot to their success, which is people are going to start to notice things, hopefully. And it sounds like from what you're both speaking about, these are things that we'll see in hot firms. Absolutely. It's interesting you bring up Will Schneer and Big Red Dog. We totally agree. We have the same perspective. And Mark's been in the industry 30 years and worked with so many firms. You know how Big Red Dog stands out. Definitely feels different. Yeah. 37 years now. It's a long time. I used to be the young guy, but uh... That one of the most refreshing things about somebody like Will that stands out is the guy can make a decision. Mm -hmm. And it's just things happen so much faster. And when they do, you're just more able to adapt to changes in the business environment. And, you know, that's a, another characteristic of these hot firms, I think, is they can just change and evolve faster. They're not stuck with these friggin' boards making every decision. If you want to buy companies, they've got the, the green light to go out and find the companies and negotiate the deals. And there's three people that are involved instead of the whole freaking company. I mean, I could just go on and on. It, from the large decisions to the small, everything happens at a faster pace. Right on. You're right. That's key. It really is. And that's what makes them better places to work. You know, this conference is also an awards conference that includes our best places to work awards. And, you know, that's a big part of it. it it's not just the hot firms, but it's the best places to work. I think, again, the conventional wisdom is, oh, they've got good pay and benefits and everybody's off half a day on Friday. That doesn't make it a good place to work. What makes it a good place to work is it's growing. 
and they can actually give you a real opportunity to grow along with it. And, you know, if you're there, you're going to have job opportunities you wouldn't have if you weren't there. You don't feel like you have to sell your soul or sell out to work there because it's got a purpose that seems like it's noble. There's so much more to it than that. You respect the people you work with. You don't work for them. You work with them. And the whole character of it is so much different. It's People don't really understand what makes a great place to work. I think that I'm very passionate about the fact that you got to have a growing company to be a good place to work. That's what the hot firms, that's why we wedded those two events. We used to have two separate conferences. That's right. They were completely separate conferences. And I'll never forget, Chad's the one that wanted to put them together. And the person we had at the time who managed our conferences, what did she call that? It was like spaghetti and apple. Beer, spaghetti, and apple pie in the same pot. (laughs) Which doesn't sound so bad, actually. It it doesn't. (laughs) In Arkansas, we might eat that and drink it with some beer. But um, you couldn't be further from the truth because they're so linked. Yes, to each other, being a best place to work, being a hot firm, and then doing what you're doing, Anthony, the people to grow the team from the bottom up. How could be a good place to work if every time you need somebody in a management job, you go outside the company to hire them and you get the 20 year veteran from ABC and Associates? That's not a great place to work. Nope. Right. Yeah. You're cultivating from within. and, And you know what? I've also seen in these hot firms, where CEOs and executives like Will, for example, are more prone to saying to one of their project managers or giving them a lot more leeway in their own decision-making and bringing solutions to the table. And I think when you do that with people, when you say, listen, we got a problem here. Well, what do you want to do? What do you tell me what you want to do? And let's figure it out as opposed to the executive saying, well, this is exactly how we're going to do it. And I got to call this other person and we got to get them in here and we got to fix this. Got to have a board meeting and yeah. Giving people responsibility, especially up-and-coming professionals, letting them solve the problems is how you create the next executive that can grow these firms, right? Exactly. I always tell everybody, you know, this lack of ability to delegate is really what holds back these companies. The ones that don't grow, they got the principals are control freaks. They're going to keep all the client relationships and they're better at doing any work, design or technical work, than anybody that works for them. So they're all functioning at way too low of a level. That then makes it a crappy place to work because everybody that's below them is sort of held back. And at best, it's just an order taker for them. And the whole thing, and then they wonder why they don't grow. It just doesn't work. You've got to give people a chance to do something. And if you do, At first, maybe they aren't as good, but after a little while, maybe they're actually better than you are at it. And then you're liberated to move on to a higher level function, like build your company instead of doing some other crappy stuff. Working on the company as opposed to in it. Yeah. Somebody two years out of school should be doing, and you're doing it. It's just not very smart. And not to mention the fact, as individuals, they're not going to be very happy. They're trapped. And they're not going to be very happy. They're not going to self-actualize the owners. I couldn't agree with you more because of my own experience, which essentially, I mean, I might not even be doing this podcast right now if it wasn't for this fact, because I had a manager who was very much like that old school, like, you know, I can't let my managers or my staff do better than me type of mentality. Like I can't let them get to know the clients, et cetera. And what happened for me was, is that 
I was aggressive and a fast moving engineer. And I got to the point where we're like, this kind of sucks because he's not letting me grow. So what did I do? I just did something different. I started going to executive coaching school at night just because I needed something to do. And that got me down the path of the engineering career coach and all this other stuff and ended up eventually starting that company. And I think this is what happens. I mean, a lot of these executives are still old school and they're too afraid to let people grow and succeed. And I think what I try to tell engineers when I'm coaching them or helping them is that my take as a manager or as a leader is always my job. I need to make sure that all of my team is as successful as they can be, period. Because if that happens, then everything good is going to happen. I mean, if you start to worry about one of your people talking to your clients or they're doing this and they're going to somehow get higher than me in the company, I think that's, you're done. You've done yourself in right there with that mindset. Oh, yeah. And it's not that uncommon, you no. know, it's all time. No, it's not. There's a lot of insecure people out there. There are, and there's right? a lot of egos and just, oh, know, yeah, I'm telling you, gets in the way of success for the company. I want to talk just about marketing for a few minutes here. And Mark, you've been doing this for 37 years. And I know that, well, I'm sure you know as well that the term marketing can sometimes be seen as a bad word in these uh, AE boardrooms and conference rooms. And how do you approach marketing with clients? Or if you think marketing is an answer, how do you try to pitch it? Talk to me about marketing for these firms. Well, I mean, I think the really what you've got to do is try to create a brand for yourself. And there may be multiple brands under one umbrella based on the various market sectors that you serve. But once you achieve the status of actually having a brand, which few companies do, mm -hmm. but they do exist. You know, we were just talking about this yesterday in a business development seminar that Chad and I taught in San Antonio. And it's the CH2M Hills of the treatment plants and the HOK sports or populace of the stadiums or the HNTB for bridges or TY Lynn for cable state suspension bridges or whatever the specialty is. Uh, you know, LRB Beckett used to be for healthcare, DLR group for K through 12 education. There's always these firms that stand out, they dominate. When they've got that brand, their marketing, their selling is so much easier. Clients bring jobs to them. Other companies bring them into their jobs. If people who don't have brands don't understand this. That's right. They get higher prices for what they do. They're preferred. They show up. They're less dependent on the individuals they have delivering the service because the brand transcends all that. Mark, for, before you go forward for a minute here, for some of the listeners that are maybe younger, up-and-coming professionals, just explain when you, when you say build a brand, what you mean by that. Well, I mean, you are recognized by the audience that you're trying to serve, the market sector that you're trying to serve. It's like, we all know who Coke is, but we don't know who Yummy Cola is. If you're Coke, you sell a lot of it. The product is one that people know what to expect from it, right? It has a consistency, it has an expectation, goes along with it. And if you're yummy cola, nobody knows a damn thing about it. So <laughs> if you're yummy cola and made right cola and cola brand cola, all you have to compete with is who's cheaper. You know, do you wanna be the 99 cent two liter bottle or do you wanna be the 97 cent two liter bottle or do you wanna be the 92 cent two liter bottle? Coke, on the other hand, they're going to get 254. Okay. <laughs> That's right. And so 
If you're in this business, you want to be Coke. I don't know what else to say. You can do that, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you suggest to somebody they start doing e-marketing and they go, well, we tried that for a month and it didn't do anything for us. Okay, well, you don't get it. It takes so many things. It's so many different levels that have to be done on a daily basis to achieve this over an extended period of time. That's right. And then the delivery has to match the promise of the marketing, which is another challenge, admittedly. I think it definitely is possible to achieve the status of having a brand in this business. And when you do, you're a hell of a lot more successful. So that's the goal of the marketing, in my mind, is to become this brand. That's awesome. And like Mark was saying before, a lot of these hot firms charge more money than maybe a lot of other firms, but and they're still ultra successful. And I think it goes back to the brand. I mean, listen, if you say, I got an issue with a water treatment plant, we've got to call XYZ firm because they are the leader in this field. You're not thinking about the price tag. You're thinking about, I want the best person for this item because we got to get this done. Yeah. Or I don't want to look bad to my higher ups because I picked the wrong company. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, Mark, consistency. You go with someone that's done it over and over. They're the leading expert. And I preach this to individuals all the time. I mean, you also have your own personal brand that everything you do, just like Mark was saying, like whether you're online, whether it's your stuff you're putting out on LinkedIn, whether it's the work you're doing as an engineer or architect, everyone, all that makes up your personal brand as well. And I know for me, like people used to say, like I had someone at one of my supervisors at one time who wasn't, was a guy who wasn't responsive at all. Stuff used to sit on his desk. And so people used to say, you know what? Call Anthony. He's going to get it done. The other guy's not going to get it done. And that's your personal brand. So this go again, just like we were saying before, just like your company has got to build this brand, that's also you. And everything you do adds to that. And I know one of the companies that I worked for, the CEO drove home this idea of being responsive. He used to have meetings about responsiveness. He used to send out memos. And sure enough, over time, our company was known as like one of the most responsive engineering companies. And people would literally call us and say, I've been dealing with all these firms. They never get back to me. I hear you guys are so responsive. I want to hire you. I tell you, we do the same thing. I mean, it seems like, gee, that's not that novel, but it is. I mean, just this week, we had some consultants at a client in New York, and the CEO sends me an email and says, we're taking bets on how long it takes you to respond. So-and-so said it'll take five minutes, less than five minutes, and I said less than 10. So I beat him. I did get the less than five. <laughs> but they're sitting around taking bets on how long it's going to take us to respond because it's defining. There's no question about it. It, it is. Our, it's one of our differentiators for sure. And it really sell. out. And that is huge. That is a big, big deal. Anybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Mark. Anyone can do it, but most people don't. That's the problem. And like, I get to a point with people where if I email them and I don't hear back for a few days, I'm kind of thinking to myself, are they really interested? Are they that interested or are they, what's the deal? Exactly. We're trying to hire a contractor for a project in my other business. Send the guy an email and no response like five days later. And so then the person who gave us this name as a referral was a banker. Is like, oh, he's on vacation this week. I mean, if we were on vacation, Chad and me, do you think we would be like, Oh, you'll hear from us when we get back. <laughs> I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah. It'd be a million dollar project, which would be a good project for this guy. I mean, it's just bizarre. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it. I conceive of it. 
Well, this is all great stuff, and I'm excited to be at the Hot Firm Conference for the first time that I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking there, and what I'm really excited about is, especially after this conversation, is just walking around and asking people questions. I mean, you're talking about the best firms to work for are going to be there, the fastest-growing firms. So I'm going to be really excited. We're also going to be doing an episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast at the Hot Firm Conference. I'm going to be interviewing people, asking them questions, and I'll be able to reach out to our mailing list beforehand and get some questions that you want to ask. I mean, listen, if you're listening right now and you may have gone to one of our engineering success summits in the past, we're not going to be doing it this year anymore, but I am going to be facilitating and giving three sessions at the up and coming track at the Hot Firm Conference. And I can tell you right now, it's not just the sessions that I think you should consider going for. It's the people. It's the networking. One event like this can fast forward your career five to 10 years. And I'm not just making that up. I mean, you ask people like Will Schneer, who's a very, very young top level executive. It's because he talks to people that are going to be at this conference. So what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into our CE hot seat segment and I'm going to pepper Chad Mark with a couple of more questions before we let them go. And then I'll give you some info on how you're going to be able to get a special discount to the hot firm conference. So stick with us. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. If you're preparing for the civil PE exam, you probably know that the Civil Engineering Reference Manual by Michael Lindeberg is the book to use. Michael Lindeberg is actually the founder and president of PPI, the leader in FE and PE exam prep. PPI has new prep courses available for the civil PE exam that offer complete coverage of not only the morning breath exam, but also your choice of afternoon depth exams. The course presents over 60 hours of new content and walks you through tons of exam-like practice problems. When you enroll in the live online prep course, PPI also includes on-demand lectures for free, so you can start studying while you wait for the course to begin. Through October 2017, PPI will be choosing two of our podcast listeners per month to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you enroll in this course. To enter the raffle, visit www.ppi2pass.com forward slash civil prep. Again, that's www.ppi, the number two, pass forward slash civil prep. From there, you will need to choose your course and checkout. On the checkout page, enter the promo code PREP. P-R-E-P, and then complete your enrollment. Again, you need to enter the promo code PREP before completing your enrollment to qualify for the gift card. You'll be notified on the first of the month if you won the $100 gift card. I use PPI for my PE exam prep, so I feel confident in recommending that you check out this prep course. Plus, you could win $100. Good luck. All right, Mark and Chad, are you ready for the CE hot seat? Yes, we are. All right. First question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime, things you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being successful? Mark? I try to go to the gym three times a week when I'm here. I've got a personal trainer. I think it helps keep you feeling better throughout the day when I'm able to do that. Awesome. Chad, how about you? Right now, I try to cycle. So both of you guys think in physical activity, I tend to agree with that. I do something every day. If it's midday, I usually just take a walk or something just to get out, get the blood flowing. And I think it definitely circles back and has an impact for sure. All right, next question. What's one book that you recommend 
whether it's the AE professionals or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? Chad, how about you go first on this one? I will say I like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People for several reasons. I think is so relevant to the personality type that tends to be attracted to design and technical professions, really empowering them to interact and develop relationships. And it also breaks down the myths of what we think we need to be doing in order to like sell to another person. And of course, I'm very passionate about the marketing and business development sides of the business, of the AEC business. And so it's really the only book that I recommend when I'm teaching seminars on business development, mainly just because we're not big into reading books and recommending a list of books and of, for people to read. We like to focus on tried and true approaches, things that actually work, that we've seen work in these AEC firms. This industry is unique in the way we operate and the way we run our business. And so we like to focus on practical approaches, but how to win friends and influence people, I think is one of the most practical applications on how to develop a relationship and how to sell business. I would say, you know, I know this probably sounds bizarre, but I like the book uh, Shogun by James Clavell. It's a fictional novel about the rise of a shogun inside Japan in the 1600s. I just think there's a lot of leadership lessons in that. It was a hot seller. They sold like 15 million copies of it or something. It's huge. It's like 1,100 plus pages long, but uh, it's really a good book. I hate business books. I'll be honest with you. I've read some of them. I hate it. I really can't stand most all of them. I find they all oversimplify. And I also don't like management junkies who go from one book to the next. The good to great thing was like a religion. So overdone. Who gives a shit what your hedgehog is? The right people on the bus. I don't even have a friggin' bus. The whole thing, level five leadership. I mean, just the notion of the fact that you can say what kind of leadership works in a 50-year-old, multi-billion dollar publicly traded organization is the same that's needed in a privately held company of 100 people or 200 people yeah, or 100 civil people. engineers. It's yeah, totally it, 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 to me, it's just ludicrous, frankly. I'm tired of it. If anybody starts spouting that, I want to like punch him or something. I can tell you that the interesting thing about both of your answers, I guess the combination is the Dale Carnegie book, I think was said by the last five guests. And Mark, your book probably wasn't said on any of the 50 plus episodes. So which is great. You got a good mix. That's why you have people that you work with to complement each other. So those are both interesting. That's right. All right. So here's the last question, and then we'll jump into some final details about the Hot Firm Conference. Let's say that, and you can answer this each of you individually, you get into an elevator and there happens to be the executive team or the top couple of executives in an AE firm, and you have about 30 to 40 seconds with them, and you're tasked with giving them advice to help them grow their firm. I don't know the exact size of the firm, but just advice that comes to mind with 30, 40 seconds that you would give this team. Mark? Find your successors. Everybody needs to identify their successor and start training them as soon as possible. Outspend your competitors in marketing. Whatever specialty you have, figure out what's typical for firms of that type and spend probably 50 to 100% more than they do. 
invest in your IT infrastructure, and invest in recruiting. Be absolutely merciless as it relates to upgrading your team. Constantly look to upgrade. And finally, I think share all your financial information with everybody and cut everybody in on the rewards if the company's making money. And those things to me are probably the cornerstones of success. That's great. That'd be a heck of a, of a 40 second uh, lesson there. Chad, how about you? I would say have a plan, have a strategic plan, communicate it with everybody, a long term goal that's inspiring, built around growth, and then do an annual business planning activity where everybody gets involved and everybody's a part of designing how the firm goes forward. And related to what Mark said, I think it's all about the execution of that plan. You've absolutely got to make sure that you invest in those key areas that Mark mentioned, because again, I'll just go to the marketing one, is for that, it's you've got to invest in marketing because marketing is critical to the success of any growth-oriented strategic plan. Having them off isolated to the side and not a part of the planning process is crazy, but yet most firms don't include them. And the planning activity is just for top executives and they go back to the office and the plan sits on the shelf. So my advice is have a plan and execute it. And the firms that do that, they're the ones that are at this conference. They're the ones that are performing at the top of the market. We see it all the time. I agree with that 100%. I think that just technical professionals, engineers, architects, oftentimes get stuck in the weeds because they're so much into the details of their projects on a day-to-day basis. I think the same things happens with these executives that they get kind of stuck in the weeds and they forget to pick their head up and look at the big picture and plan ahead. And I think that's where they can get into some trouble. And that's the difference between hot firm and a firm that's, I guess, not doing so hot. So that's a good one. Let's round this one out here, Chad, before I give our listeners the information on where they can get their ticket for the conference, why don't you give us a few final thoughts on the conference? I mentioned earlier in the podcast, so this conference, this is a big deal for us. We put a lot of time and money in, and we took this thing over four years ago from a team that was running it. And we have a whole new team that really puts a lot of time and effort into it. This year, it's going to be in Seattle at the Fairmont Olympic Hotel. It's an amazing hotel. We've got great rates. It's adjacent to just about everything you could walk to in Seattle and downtown Seattle. It's two days long with a third day Coldplay after party because Coldplay is going to be in town in Seattle and we've set up transportation to that. But the two day bulk of the sessions are educational sessions, a combination of keynotes and breakouts, the keynotes. We put this two day uh, young professional session together and it's great. We've driven the price down as low as we can because we really want to get as many young professionals at the event as possible. It's access to all the general session events, including the four keynote speakers, participation in the five young professionals track breakout sessions. You get breakfast and lunch both days, a Thursday night networking cocktail reception, and you'll get 12 continuing education units or professional development hours. So you can register at hotfirm.com forward slash coach and get your special discount for being a, a podcast listener on this podcast, the discount code is engineering coach. And that's all no spaces, lowercase engineering coach. That's your discount code. That'll get you a nice discount for the conference. And what I will say too is I've been doing a lot of work lately with engineers. I've surveyed over 10,000 engineers and I've asked them 
What is the one thing that stands out to you in your career that has given you the most advancement? Someone might say getting my license. Someone might say a certain skill set or making a move to some new company or whatever the case may be. I can tell you from working with engineers that coming to a conference like this, and I'm not just saying this because I have these guys on the show or because I'm going to be there, can be that one thing in your career. I mean, think about this event specifically. You're going to get to network with executives and people from the fastest growing firms in the industry. You're going to get to network with people from the best places to work for in the industry. Then you're going to get to go to top training sessions with top trainers on skill sets that you'll need to become a well-rounded engineer, which we've identified in this episode as what makes these firms grow, having professionals that are well-rounded. So please consider joining us there. Really, really, really excited about it. Again, it's hotfirm.com forward slash coach. Use the discount code engineering coach, lowercase one word, no space to get your discount. And we're looking forward to seeing you in Seattle. So Mark, Chad, thank you so much for taking some time to come on the Civil Engineering Podcast and sharing your wisdom and your experience. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. We're really glad to have you on our team this year doing this. And it really completes, I think, the, something that we've wanted for a long time, this up-and-comer track. And you really provide the best offering for this up-and-coming track. So we're tickled that you're with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the episode today. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 57. You will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And of course, the conference website we will link to, and we'll put the code right in the show notes. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.